going to pray. And I just want to remind you, as I reminded myself this week, that even though we go through battles, and even though God reigns, and he's all-powerful no matter what we're going through, doesn't mean we won't come out feeling a little bruised and a little scarred. Just because you may be feeling a little bruised today does not mean you're not victorious. Because when we feel bruised, remember we have to go back to the truth. We may be bruised, but we are still victorious in him because he remains who he is in all of his power at all times. Amen? And so this first song today is who you say I am. Says you are is who you are. Whether you're telling yourself a different story on any given day, you still are who he says you are. Amen. So we just need to get in step with him today and declare him who he is, but at the same time, declare yourself for who you are in him. You are powerful, blood bought, redeemed, and victorious. Amen. Praise God. Can we raise our hands to him? Jesus, we love you. We praise you and we thank you for allowing you to be in this house. Thank you for breath in our body, Jesus. Thank you for your strength, Lord, that's available to us. For your power, that you are the way maker, Jesus, that we can rely on you. Lord, you're our strength, our joy, our peace, and the love of our lives, Lord Jesus. And we've come to exalt you, Lord. We've come to be in unity, one mind, one accord in your presence, so that what you want to accomplish, God, not what we came for, but what you want to accomplish, God, happens in this house, in every heart and every mind. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Free. 
have. I love that man in the back, and I love my kids, and I love you, but he is number one. Amen? Because when he is number one in your life, everything else gets an overflow of blessing. Amen? We are straight with him. We are listening. It affects every relationship in our lives. Amen? Praise God. Are you thankful?
going to break the hindrance in this house. Before we step any further, we're going to step out of routine. Our brains are now telling us, oh, we're on song three now. And then what's going to happen next is, I don't want that kind of agenda in our house. Amen. In the house of the Lord. Praise God. I want us to come to church saying, Jesus, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know it's what you want to happen. So praise God. Can we lift our hands to him and lift our voices with a shout of praise? And put him where he belongs in our hearts and our minds right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we break every distraction. We break every spirit of discouragement. We break every spirit that's walked in this house today to disrupt what's supposed to happen. In the name of Jesus, I stand firmly on your word and I declare that what you have for this house today, for every heart, for every In the mighty name of Jesus, you are good, you are better than good, you are greater than any circumstance or battle or anything that's going on in this world. God, I declare in this house that we will be people of the name, people of prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus, even when we're feeling beat up, God, we're going to stand and walk in victory. In the mighty name of Jesus, for we have been
you, Jesus. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Don't stop worshiping, but you can be seated in Jesus' name. together in my name, there am I in the midst of them, which lets me know that Jesus is walking among us today. And whatever life throws at us and whatever we're dealing with during the week can get swallowed up in the power and the presence of Jesus. Amen. I believe that God is wanting to speak to some people today on an individual basis and a corporate basis. I believe that God has showed up for church. Praise God. And uh, we're not here by accident. I believe that the Lord has something for each one of us. We welcome all of our guests here today. Thank you for being with us. And uh, we pray that you would just find Jesus very personal uh, in your life today. And uh, as you're turning to Genesis chapter 1, you don't know where that's in your Bible, it's the very first chapter of the book of Genesis, at the very first beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, I want to remind you next Sunday is a very special Sunday, and we want to encourage you to be here. We are going to be dedicating, uh, I know of at least one child so far, but if you have a child, a younger child, uh, or from an infant to say six, seven, or eight, and you've never dedicated them unto the Lord, we want to invite you to be a part of that service, and if you'd like to dedicate your young child to the Lord, we would be honored to do that. Um, this is not a baptism for the children. This is a dedication. I think God will explain the difference next week. Um, but then on top of that, we're also going to have a baptism Sunday next Sunday. So if you know somebody or if you're here today and you've been wanting to be baptized, I know we've already got a couple lined up for that, but I'm going to ask you either way to sign up in the vestibule on the way out. There's a sign-up sheet so that we can be totally prepared for next week. And um, we're going to have just a great time in the presence of God next Sunday, dedicating some young people to the Lord and baptizing some people in the name of Jesus. And uh, we're excited about that in Jesus' name. And uh, just one more housekeeping item. On May 1st, we're going to have our annual cleanup day here at the church and clean up the yard. But going forward after that, if you're interested in being a part of your family, being a part of taking care of some of our beds out in the lawn, or if you're interested in mowing the lawn, if you would just see Cheryl, she's sitting right by my wife, hands raised, she can get you on the list. We'll get you all the information of what we need from you. But uh, we already have volunteers for each one of those as well, and so we're thankful for that to take care of the campus this summer. And summer will hit eventually. <laughs> we got spoiled a couple of weeks ago, and 
Today we're paying the price. In fact, I was talking to, I think it was Lee before church. I said, yeah, I even decided I could get away with plaid one more Sunday before spring. Genesis chapter 1, this message has been echoing in my spirit all week long. And uh, as I prepared for it all week long, um, it's one of those messages that just kind of kept flowing through me. And I referenced this passage last week, and so it's kind of originated even last Sunday. And then I received confirmation this week, believe it or not, from Facebook. About 40 minutes before church, actually, our dear Marianne Newton typed something up on Jordan Shore's page. And so I'm going to be preaching on the power of the word let. The power of the word let. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, everybody say it, let, let there be light, and there was light. I believe that the most powerful word in the scriptures is the word let, the word let, and I want to preach on that just a little bit here today. There is something in biblical interpretation called the law of the first things. And what that simply means is you establish interpretive parameters of what you're reading and you base it off of what happened at the very beginning and when it first took place. And uh, you can't go very much further back than what we just went to. The law of first things really plays out in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and then the story of creation. But I find it interesting that in each one of these days of creation, the Lord uses the word let. In verse 3, it's let there be light. In verse 6, or uh, in verse 6, it says, let there be a space between the waters. In verse 9, let the waters beneath the sky flow together, and so on and so forth. In verse 11, let the land sprout. The, the concept of the word let is something that we don't often understand how powerful that three-letter word is. But that word let is a trigger point for the creative powers of God to flow into the, the spirits and into the lives and into the creation that he has already created. He has spoken all of the things that are around us into existence. And then he decided that he was going to create us out of the dust of the ground. And in every single time that he did any of those things, he used the word let. And by the, by the uh, law of first things, that lets me know that the word let is a very powerful word that if we could ever grasp a hold of what it means and how it applies to us, our lives can be transformed forever. Now, you, you can follow this concept in, into the days of creation. You have to understand that there was nothing. The earth was empty. It was void. It was formless. 
There was no parameters. There was no light and darkness. There was no years and days. There was no vegetation. There was nothing until God said, let there be. And when he spoke the let in there, he created out of himself everything that we see around us. He didn't take, he, he wasn't like a carpenter or a builder that went and grabbed all of the materials and began to put the materials together and puzzle them together. My youngest son works on Legos all the time. His room is a museum to Legoland. And, and his creations are incredible. But he didn't make the Legos. He just gathered the Legos and put them all together. But when God said the word let, something came from the inside of God and created something that was not even in existence yet, but it came out from inside of him. Can I just tell you what I believe in the spirit today? I believe that God has stepped onto the scene of Spirit of Grace Church and he's wanting to speak the power of let into your life and to carry out that thing which is in him and apply it to you. That which may not even be in existence yet can come into being because God releases the power of the let in your life. There's something that's getting ready to happen in the soul of this church. It's already begun to happen. We're already experiencing it to a certain extent, but there is greater depths and higher heights and wider widths that we can go in God. He's just waiting to use the word let there be and there will be. See, there's, there's a power in the concept of the word let. And so I got real brilliant this week. And I decided, well, I better look up what the word let means. And so I looked it up in Greek. Because that's what the New Testament is mostly written in. And it's not there. Not specifically the word let. There's about 15 other words, but there's always another word attached to the word let. And then I went into the Hebrew and it was the same thing. And then I went into the English and the only place that the word let was a noun was in Old English. And it's where we get the concept of tennis. I always thought, I'm 50 years old and I'm, I've been around athletics all my life. But did you know, and maybe you did, and you're smarter than me, but when a server in tennis hits the ball to serve and it hits the net or it doesn't go over, that the, the judge calls out a word, I always thought that they said net, because that's what they hit. That's not the word they're using. They're using the word let. And so then the, the server at that point has to take a second chance to get it over the net because the let got in the way. <laughs> and there are people that have tried to live for God. And they have tried to accomplish things on their own. And they have tried to figure out their pathway and their journey. And they've tried to clear the path for themselves. And God is standing in the heavens and saying, let try it again. Take a step back. I'm not going to penalize you for it. You're not going to lose the point. But you've got to take a step back and try it again. You see, when they serve in tennis, that let 
serve, is it doesn't uh, damage your score. It doesn't change the, the facts of the game. It just gives the server one more chance to do it. And I want to tell somebody here today that God has walked into your life today and he hasn't canceled your game. He hasn't called you a loser. He just said, let. There's another opportunity for you. There's another channel for you. There's another aspect of life for you. You are not a loser. You have just stepped into the atmosphere of let. Another chance. A second chance. A third chance. You see, here's the thing about tennis. Tennis gives you two chances. But God gives you an immeasurable amount of chances. How do I know? Because it's all through here. You think about every human that's referenced in here. And all of them have messed up more than once. And yet God says, let in the old English, in UK English, British language, I can't say it. The old language, that word let was always used for allowing somebody to use a territory or an area for themselves that was not their own. We in America got smart and we just used the word rent. <laughs> I'm just teasing. But really, that's what it's a lease or to lend. To create a space that you do not own, but that you can occupy. Can I tell you that when God comes into your life, you have an area that is created in this world that you are renting. He is letting you occupy it because your home is not here. Your home is in the midst of being created because he used the power of the concept of let in John chapter 14, verse 1. He said, let not your heart be troubled. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Paul understood that to mean that you and I are strangers and foreigners in a foreign land. We do not belong to this world. We are in a let. He is letting us stay here. He has created space that is not ours to behold. He is the owner of everything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he has let us occupy. He has let us call it our own. We are renting, if you will. We're leasing it out. And the price was not paid by something you did or something I did. The price was paid because of that place called Calvary where he suffered They can live here, but it's only temporary. It's the reason why he said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The reason is, is because you are not designed to get tied down here. But the creative word of the concept of let applies to you today. Because he has created a place designed especially for you and especially for me in the home that he has been creating. And yet we get so tied to this thing called the world. Can I just tell you there's some things that 
you may laugh about when I tell you, but when I was a teenager, my prayer wasn't even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. I wasn't that reverent to scripture. My prayer was, God, don't come till I graduate. And then the change from, God, don't come till I graduate, to God, I'd really like to get married. Don't come till then. Now, I have to also uh, tell you that when I was in junior high and high school, it was the height of the Cold War, and so we were waiting to be annihilated by Russia. And so I never dreamed of getting to the year 2000. And so I did the math. I graduated in 1988. I'm sure I can find somebody to marry me before 2000. It worked. What am I trying to say? There have been seasons in my life and there are seasons in your life where we get so connected to the desires of this world and this age that we want to just have this and we always want to have that and we want to accomplish this. And God, if I can just get to the place where I can have my house paid off and I can have a camper in the backyard that I can travel all over, or I can have a cabin to go to, or I can have this, or I can have, just let me get to that. And then God, then you can come. When God is trying to say, none of it's yours anyhow, you're just renting it. And why would you want a cruise liner when you can walk on streets of gold? Why would you be so concerned with the nice things of this world when they pale in comparison to what God is wanting to give us? We have been in remodel mode at our home since probably July. And then on top of that, I always thought it was just a thing, but it really is a thing in Minnesota that the number one season of remodeling homes is graduation. <laughs> right, Randy? Yeah. He had four ahead of me through. We're trying to do all kinds of things. And, and I don't begrudge anybody doing that. I'm enjoying it, I kinda. <laughs> but we're getting it done. It's going to look really nice. It's going to be really cool if I can get it finished in time. But how much time do we spend on taking care of that house than we do this house? For this is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I'm just renting 3757114th Lane. Oh, yeah, my name's on the deed. I quote unquote own it, but it's really not mine, it's his. I don't really own it because it's not really created just for me. It was built in 1985. It was not built the way I would have built it. There are things that we're finding in remodeling that I wonder how it stood this long and, and, and things of that nature. But can I just tell you what I've begun to look for is a city whose builder is God, a place of mansions, a place of uh, seas of crystal. I love the water. I love the lakes. But can I just tell you that there's not one lake in 
the world that compares to the sea that we're going to have in that place over there. There's something that's got to get into our soul. It's the concept of the power of the let that we are just leasing this life. We are just in a rental mode, but there is something that is sure and permanent and eternal that will totally be worth every penny that we spend down here. So, as much as we get tied to this thing called the world, we need to be more tied to the things of that world. Set your eyes and your mind on things above is what scripture tells us. Don't get so consumed with this down here that we lose track of what that is up there. Can I just tell you that the most important thing in our lives has got to be God and his body and, and what he's doing and, and how it all manifests itself with us. You see, we've got to incorporate being him. We are his hands and his feet. We are his eyes in this world. When people see us, the Bible says we are a living epistle, that our lives have to reflect that which God has done in us, not to draw people unto us, but to draw people unto the one that made us and transformed us and is keeping us because we are the only Bible somebody might ever read. We are the only representation of God that somebody might ever see. We've got to live lives, not on our own behalf, but on the behalf of the kingdom, and not in our own strength, but in the strength of the kingdom. Let me put it to you in King James Version. King James Version says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in them. You see, there's got to be an abiding in us and him. It's more important that I abide in him than it is that I abide in my job and that I abide in my home. There's got to be something that triggers in us the power of the concept of let. But then I was like, well, God, that's cool. But that's not the impetus that I'm feeling from you this week. That, 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 that's not the direction that you are leading me this week. It's not the thing that's changing us this week. So what does the word let mean, God? So then probably in the first time in all of my biblical studies, I'm going to give the English language credit. Because usually the English vocabulary doesn't measure up to Greek or Hebrew at all. There's so many extra words of Greek and Hebrew, and we don't have enough words. But as I, thank God for internet, as I Googled it, there was one phrase that leaped off the screen, and that was this. The word let is a helping verb. So not only is the word let an old English noun, but it is a new English verb. It is an activation key. It is the thing that ignites the fuse for the action that's getting ready to happen. Without the word let, the action doesn't always happen 
there's got to be a helping verb that's there. The created power of God that we read in verse 3 of Genesis 1 was not the let part, the miracle, the power, the creative part was that light became. But if it wouldn't have been God speaking, the concept of the helping verb that says light, that word let, that let is what ignited the light. It was the power of the helping verb that created the actual verb that created everything that you and I are seeing. So every time that God goes forward and says, let there be, or let this happen, or let that word let is a helping verb. It is an action verb. It is a releasing verb to let that which it's talking about be activated. Let. Let is connected to what God wants to accomplish. But if you don't have the let, you'll never get the action. God didn't say, light. He said, let there be. But here's the thing. 
we get confused. And the reason we get confused is because we don't recognize that which he has unlocked. And the reason we don't recognize that which he has unlocked is because we do not recognize that we are created in his image. And so while God can say let and unlock what's inside of God, you and I have to say let and unlock what's inside of us. And when what's inside of us connects with what's inside of him, great miracles begin to take place. Destinies begin to get created. Hope begins to get measured. Life begins to be transformed. Marriages are put back together. Prodigal sons return home. All kinds of things begin to get happen. But it takes us to say, God, let it be so. God, I don't understand it. I don't know what price I have to pay. I don't know what I have to go through. But let it happen. God, unlock the door of my heart. And what you placed back in me years ago, even when I didn't realize you were placing it there, I ask you, God, unlock it and connect it to what you're doing in my life. And let me be an instrument and a tool for your kingdom. You see, we talked about it a little bit in our men's breakfast yesterday. We had a great time. If you're a man, you need to come. Second Saturday, every month, 9 o'clock. But there's something that we don't always recognize. Is that God doesn't do things like we do. Let me take it two-step back and let you know that the word let in Greek and in Hebrew one of the words for let because it's connected is to release or to set free when God said let there be light he was releasing the light of himself and then he realized that that light would be too blinding, so he created the sun. I only say that because I know that the light of God was too strong for Moses. He had to have a cleft knocked out of the rocks. It means to set free, to set at liberty, to release. That means, that's what let means. But here's the problem. Because God doesn't do things like we do, we don't recognize when God's moving. Can I tell you, sometimes a job loss is God. Sometimes a broken relationship is God. Because God understands that if you stay in a particular relationship, 
It's going to drag you down. It's going to hinder you from becoming what you're supposed to be. It's going to mess with you. And so God says, if our minds are right, we say, God, shut whatever door needs to be shut. He'll shut it. And he'll break it off. And he'll make it so it doesn't work. I'm not just talking about relationships between men and women. I'm talking about relationships with business owners. I'm talking about neighbors. I'm talking about people that you hang out with. Can I just tell you there are some relationships that need to be broken off? Not because somebody's bad, not because somebody's good, but because somebody's not God-ordained to be in your relationship. And God has something bigger and greater for you to walk into and to step into, but that relationship's got to get broken. And so when you say, let it be, God, and you unlock that which is inside of you, and he comes in and connects it, he may break the relationship. And then we get mad. God, what are you doing? Can I just tell you, I learned a long, long time ago as a preacher of the gospel that people will come and go. And I have one or two choices. I can go into deep depression when somebody says that I'm not very good, so I got to find a different church, I got to go a different path. Or I can look at God and say, God, bless that person wherever they end up and send me the people that you wanted to connect me to. And I can just tell you, I sleep a lot better when I say, God, bless them and send them. God, unite me to those that want to be united with me and lead us into the path together so that we can accomplish whatever you want to accomplish because it's not about Tim's kingdom. It's not about my life. It's not about anything. It's all about his kingdom. Does that mean I want anybody to believe? No. I believe we've got a good thing going here. And it's not because of me. But there's relationships. Jobs. Can I just tell you? About seven years ago, eight years ago, I really wanted a management job. Oh my God, is God good. <laughs> if I had known then what I know now, my name would have never been on that list. But in every job, in every situation, my wife and I learned a long time ago, God, if this is your will, open the door. If it's not your will, slam it shut. And God, in case I don't recognize which one is open and which one is closed, go ahead and hurt my nose. Do whatever you have to do to get my attention to be in the place where I'm supposed to be. And when that happens, what am I doing? I'm saying, let it be. And I have unlocked the lid of what God has placed inside of me. And by me saying that to him, it unlocks him and allows him to set me free. And then that also allows me this. If I don't get the job that I thought I wanted, then I say, God, what do you have for me? Because one way or the other, I'm your kid. And you promised to provide for me. 
And so I can either go into deep depression because the job's not working out. I'm talking to somebody right now. Hey, the job's not working out. The relationship's not working out. The family's turned their back on me. Whatever's happening, the bills are coming. Uh, listen, if you have let him step into your heart, into your life, and you have unlocked that lid that holds everything together, and you said, God, connect me to you, then you have every right to cry out to him, God, help me. You said you provide for me. I'm trusting in you completely, and I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'm not going to panic over it. I'm going to cast it at your feet, knowing that you care for me, and then I'm going to sleep. See, the power of let, it ignites it. And then it's connected to the verb that it's helping. Let there be hope. What's been activated? Hope has been activated. But it couldn't be activated without the helping verb. If you're here today and you feel hopeless, God is standing here saying, let there be hope. He said it this way, I have come that they might have peace. My peace I give unto them. You see, when he begins to talk, things begin to happen. Let there be joy. Let there be contentment. Let there be victory. Let there be revelation. Let there be understanding. Let there be victory in Jesus. Jesus is here right now. Praise God. I'm not trying to be melodramatic, but I'm trying to be his mouthpiece for you today. Somebody's got to grab a hold of this before you go. Somebody needs to embrace the concept that he's trying to say let into your life and stop ignoring it and stop 
being stubborn against it and stop fighting it or begin rather to recognize it. Maybe you just aren't recognizing what God is doing. And maybe he's trying to do something and God has stepped into this house today saying, I'm trying to let it happen, but you're not recognizing it. And I don't say that in condemnation. I say that in revelation. That what's happening in your life where you have been praying, God, why is this happening? Your prayers need to shift this week to say, God, let it be so, let it be so, let it be so. Whatever comes my way, I'm letting you take control and see what happens and see what happens. Praise God. I invite you to stand right now. And I'm just going to ask all across this congregation. God is ready to do something miraculous right now. I believe that in the core of my spirit. Let it be so right now, Jesus. Well, that's pretty bold of you, Pastor. Hey, I'm just dwelling in Jesus' words. What you'll bind in earth should be bound in heaven. What you'll loose in earth should be loosed in heaven. I'm binding the tools of the adversary right now, and I'm loosing the voice of God. And really, more than loosing the voice of God, I'm loosing our ears and our, our hearts to hear right now. Because God is speaking. Jordan, you're, you've been on my spirit all week long. I don't hardly ever do this, folks. I, I very rarely call anybody out. But you have been struggling in your spirit, recognizing what God is doing. You have a heart for God to do what God is going to do. There's wrapped up inside of you. He placed it in you long before you even imagined, long before mom even understood any of it. God wrapped something up inside of you, and he has been peeling it back layer by layer, year in and year out. And what you've been through and what you've done has not negated the gift that he's given you and the calling that he's placed in you. And what you have experienced in your life is not something that has destroyed what God has originally planted on the inside of you. He has come today to speak to you and to ask you, will you let it out? Will you let the gift that he placed in you? You don't even know what that gift is yet. You don't know what that anointing is yet. But if you're willing to, re to release that unto God and release it from the inside of you, I want you to raise your hands in the presence of God by the authority of the word of the Lord. By the name of Jesus, from the top of Jordan's head to the sole of her feet, let it be so even now. God, let revelation come. God, let hope be ignited. God, let the journey be packed out. Lord God, I'm asking you right now for every door to be open that needs to be open and every door that needs to be closed to be closed. Let the glory of God flow in her like never before and I release it by the authority of your word. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, would you worship with me now, church? Jesus, in the name of Jesus, there is power 
free is free indeed. Uh-huh. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, there is somebody in this house today. You have been weighted down with the cares of this world. It has gotten so heavy that you're not sure that you can even breathe anymore, that you can even move anymore, that you can even function anymore. I'm asking you if that's you, would you raise your hands in the presence of God? I speak to every hand that is raised across this congregation right now. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to let the power of let into their lives. I'm asking you to let joy flow. I'm asking you to let the weight be released. I'm asking you, Lord, for a new laughter in their soul. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to release glory in their lives. I'm asking you, God, to free them from the things of this world that have brought them down. These are not sinful things. They're just life, God. But you have come that they might not just have life, but life more abundantly. Let it flow in them. Rivers of living water. You said, God, if any are heavy, laid and come unto you. And learn of me, for your long yoke is easy and your burden is light. God, let that be right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Go ahead, DJ. Huh? Let it be released in you right now. Let it be released in you right now. Yes, 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 yes. Huh? It's all over him. It's all over him right now. It's the power of Almighty God that has stepped into this young man's life at the age of 15 or 16. God is doing something in him right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord, the power of the Holy Ghost is all over him right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I know this is different. I know this may be unusual, but there is something that is stirring. Can I tell you what is stirring? This presence of God, the Spirit of God, the Bible says, moved over the waters just before he said, and he is moving over the waters of your spirit right now. Reach out to him in a mighty way. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Let there be breakthrough. Let there be breakthrough. Let the walls of Jericho that have surrounded your heart begin to crumble at the power of the name of Jesus. Huh? Let the walls of Jericho that have locked you up and locked you in and kept out the presence of God, let them begin to crumble even now by the authority of your word 
And then they would stand in one place and they would preach. And some would get excited, but I would lose my mind. This sometimes I feel is just like for shoulder for me to lean on so that I don't fall off the edge. Is it different? Yes. Is it more powerful? No, it's just different. The anointing isn't more powerful because the anointing is either the anointing or it's not. God's anointing is God's anointing. But methods will be different. So when you see children moving in our church, don't belittle the children. I'm going to preach on that next week. But don't belittle the children. Can I tell you, they don't even know what they're doing, but they're catching the spirit of it. Can I tell you the difference between them and me when I was their age, when I was Daniel's age? Can I tell you what I was doing? Our church had a little bit of a slope, and, and it had pews, and it had carpet in the aisles, but under the pews was tile. And I could get 15 pews down before Mom knew I was gone. And if I was smart back then, I would have tied some people's shoes together. <laughs> but here's the thing. I never had an adult in that church chastise me for crawling under the pews. Because my church understood that I may be a pew crawler. <laughs> but I was listening to the preaching without even understanding it, without even recognizing it, without recognizing the words of the songs that were being sung. And if we sung, sang most of those songs, everybody over the age of 60 might like it, and everybody under the age of 40 may despise it, and everybody between 40 and 60 may question what sanity have we stepped into. You don't think so? One of the songs we used to sing was called The Great Spindle Bird. All four verses. First course, first course, first course. Nothing on a screen. They didn't have them yet. Overhead projector, maybe. There's one upstairs. There is one upstairs. What am I trying to say? Church, we've got to let God. As an individual, we've got to unlock the door of our heart and say, God, let it be. And attach it to your let. Because when my let is attached to your let, anything can happen. But then also as a church, on a corporate level, we've got to let. We've got to unlock it. Well, how do we do that, Pastor? I'll tell you how we do that. We focus on praise and worship and the word and not what other people are doing. If I can pray so strong and I can worship so strong that it doesn't matter what Nicole does, it's going to pour off on me to Nicole anyhow. And if she can ignore what I'm doing and get lost in the presence of God on her own, her anointing is going to spill over onto me. And when my anointing spills to her and her anointing spills to me, together as the body of Christ, it sends up a sweet savor of incense unto God. And when that incense reaches God's nostrils, he cannot help but to react by saying, listen, they're all 
in one accord in one place. Somewhere in history, that changed things. If you read Acts chapter 2, verse 1, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, they all there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house. Can I just tell you one of the reasons why we sense the presence of God when we gather together is because in some ways we have already unlocked the things of God so that when we come together, we're coming together in one mind, one accord, and he fills the house. And after he fills the house, he fills the people. And when he fills the people, you and I won't be able to contain it. So we'll walk into work on Monday with a bounce in our step, a smile on our face, and they're going to look at us and say, oh, you must have had a good time this weekend. And we're going to respond, oh, you better believe we did. You can't imagine what Jesus did. And they're going to look at you funny, and they're going to think you're strange, but they're going to go, if that happened to them, what can my weekend be like? Let, let, let. 